What is up? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It's Friday, and you know what that means. Another conversation with a content marketer that matters. This time, I'm talking with my man, Deb, from Delight Chat. We're talking about customer experience, the role of content marketing and growth, and thinking like another cross-functional owner in marketing. Really excited about this one. I never thought we'd be talking about a project requirements doc on this podcast, but here we are. Tons of great insights from Deb. If you like what you've been hearing, hit that subscribe button, leave a review, sign up for our wait list. You'll get our newsletter, thejuicehq.com. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. All right, everybody, welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I am excited. I love these conversations that I'm bringing on Friday because I get the chance to meet marketers from everywhere and talking about what what they're up to, um, how they're handling content, how they're thinking about the customer experience. And I'm excited today to be chatting with Deb at Delight Chat. Deb, how are you doing today? Fred, I'm doing great. Uh, how about you? I can I cannot complain. I think it might be fun to just share with the audience. Uh, we we have a quite the contrast in time zones right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm just starting my day. It is uh, yeah. 9:30 a.m. How about you? Where are you at in your day? I'm based out of Bangalore. It's just 7 p.m. here, and uh, there, there's a fun way to end the day, honestly. <laughs> That's good. I, I, I feel kind of bad because it's like, well, I know we did an intro call and it was even later right. for you. So it's, it's almost, yeah. impo- there needs to be a tool somewhere and it's probably out there. <laughs> and I just don't know about, but just like, this is, this episode is, I've had more international guests, I would say out of the gates than I expected, but I think it's really, I'm, I enjoy it because it gives me uh, a di- the various and different perspectives of just what's going on with marketing, uh-huh. B2B marketing all over the world. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, totally. I, I, I too agree with that. I also run a podcast where I do interview guests from across the globe. And it's really, really uh, interesting to hear what they have to say because it's very different for every company. Totally. And maybe we start here. I'd love to maybe just get some ba- background and share some background with you in the audience. I know you've uh, have a, a lot of various experiences with just B2B marketing. There's some freelance stuff. You, you're obviously working at the light chat chat right now. So maybe just share some perspective on like who you are and how you got into B2B marketing and t- the types of things you've done. Sure. That'd be great. Well, uh, I'm Deb and I'm based out of Bangalore, India. Currently, I head the marketing at Delightset, which is a customer service software for Shopify stores. So uh, if you're running a Shopify store, we can help you manage your customer support. That's what the tool does. Prior to this, I've been working with approximately 40 SaaS companies across the globe in full-time freelance contract in uh, various forms. Mostly, I've been on the organic side of things, so growth and content-led projects, you know, a lot of SEO, a bit of paid ads here and there, but B2B SaaS is my thing, right? And I think the first time I discovered, or rather I did, B2B SaaS piqued my interest was when I first started using Calendly. I mean, such a nifty tool, right? So the onboarding experience, I could figure that out in literally 60 seconds. I'm not even kidding. So from there on, I found Product Hunt. I actually found, uh, like, I found Product Hunt first, and I think at that time somebody released Calendly or something like that. And uh, from there, I started tinkering with different SaaS products. I saw the, you know, how helpful 
such a small tool like you know with small use cases to huge use cases like salesforce and hubspot how useful it is and from there on like there was no turning back i went on to do content marketing courses from hubspot and it just i i think it just kind of flowed from there yeah no i love it and I, a couple follow ups on that i think one to mm-hmm. comment Calendly, I think that's a, it's a perfect example. And I think a lot of people listening have been in the position where the, we remember maybe the first time we were exposed to Calendly and being like, wow, Mm -hmm. like this solves a massive problem. Like I don't have to go back and forth emailing people. And it was a frictionless experience to start using the tool. So I think like the, the, the customer experience that the Calendly team put together on the front end, definitely has led to more people using it, a, a better and bigger brand. Um, I can tell you at my last uh, company, it was, we were using the free version. And then obviously, you know, we use it all the time. It was like, all right, well, we'll just, we love this. We're going to upgrade to the paid version. So I think that is, I'd love to dig in at some point and just kind of study the Calendly and their growth, because I think that's a company that's probably doing things the right way. So that, there's just my reaction totally. with Calendly. And the second one I'd love to get your feedback on is that you, you, you know, when you were freelancing, you said like, you know, mm-hmm. around 40 different companies, obviously all of those companies probably had a different market, a different customer who right. had a different voice. Like how did you dig in and start understanding like the buyer and speaking to the buyer in each of those various companies? Like what was your process? Right. So to take a step back, I've been always freelancing in the sense, even when I'm doing full-time work, freelancing is the kind of way I spend my weekends. So naturally, as you can assume, I don't have much of a social life, <laughs> which is cool. So yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, when I, when I actually start working with a freelance, as a freelancer with a SaaS company, there are a few steps I go through. And if the company adheres to them, only then I actually go and work with them. So very first thing I have to understand is uh, who is the exact target audience? Like, who are you even targeting? Because a lot of people, if you just go and ask them, like, hey, uh, who is the target audience? They will say small business owners or who is the target audience? Oh, okay. Uh, enterprise companies with 2,000 employees and $50 million in era. That literally doesn't make sense. So that's not your target audience. That's a cohort you're talking about, Right. Now, um, just to get through that first barrier of understanding who the target audience, that itself takes some time. Finally, boiling it down, let's say, uh, let's take, for example, uh, the light chat, right? Who is the light chat's target audience? We are very specific to SME e-commerce businesses who are, you know, maybe uh, doing under $1 million in era. And... Who, who wants the same kind of services that an enterprise e-commerce customer service software can provide. But there is none because if they have to get the same kind of services, they have to shell out thousands of dollars per month, right? Now, we are targeting that very specific segment who wants those features but don't want to uh, uh, you know, shell out thousands of dollars. That is our target audience. Now, in, within that, there are different personas. Like, do we target uh, CPG business owners? Do we target a very specific, let's say, uh, clothing, uh, clothing e-commerce stores? Different stories. So that's that's the first part. That's figuring out is that first part. Second part is, what is your objective through? Uh, so I, I used to freelance as a content writer, mostly. Like, 
then what's your objective through content? Because every SaaS company has different objectives through content. Content. Some wants to build leadership. Some wants leads. The other people just wants uh, you know a bunch of emails to send uh, as a newsletter, right? So objectives are different. Figuring that out is extremely important as to you know take the next step. Once you figure out the objectives, then you decide on a plan of action. Let's say uh, I'll give you an example. When I was working with a company called Iteratively, it's a it's an analytics uh, platform to uh, understand where your data flows and, and all that stuff, like a bit bit technical. So out there, when I was freelancing with them, they told me that, hey, uh, we want to do marketing, but we are not exactly sure as to how to approach it, right? We do want to produce a lot of good content. So I asked them, what's your aim? Do you actually want to generate leads from that? So they, they gave me the answer like, yeah, we do. But at the same time, we want to be the leader in the space. Right in the data data attribution space, basically. So their their uh, goal were to afford it. Now I'm just giving an example, but then again, that's the next step. So we have to understand what their objectives are. And once the objectives are done, then you actually go on to the much more nitty gritty, the granular stuff. Like, okay, what kind of blogs could you produce? Will it be a listicle? Will it be a guide? How do you uh, get the leads? Will you run ads on that? So on and so forth. Totally, and I think. One thing I want to go back to that you said is you you talked about just delight chat and who your ideal customer is, and then you pared it down into different segments of that. I think it's important, and a lot of people think about the the maybe the the, the example you led with with oh it's this big market and it's all these people and which is we know that's that's if you're going to go out and try to tackle, uh, you know, multitude, multitude of uh, job titles and industries out of the gates, you're probably going to fall flat with your message. So I, I'm curious just on the, uh, like trying to understand the people who want to buy Delight Chat and having confidence in knowing those people. How, how are you, how are you building out like the messages and the content that are specific to to those groups and in, 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 in delivering it with confidence? Well, um, it's, it's such a coincidence that you asked this question right now. We are actually going through an exercise of redoing our homepage copy as well as the entire website copy and uh, you know, bring up new pages, repurposing new pages. So here's what I will say. We are using a very simple framework, right? Framework goes like this. What is the problem that you're going to solve or what is the problem? Yeah, so basically, what are the what are the problems that your target audience has? What is the outcome that's coming out of those problems? What is the solution that you're delivering? And what is the outcome out of that solution? So I'll give you a very simple example. Let's say Delight Chat, right? Let me give you a live example. I think uh, that would be better. There you go. So communicating without context, switching between software dashboard and Shopify dashboard, that's the problem. Now, what is the bad outcome out of this? Wrong order modification, countless wasted, wasted hours. You're unproductive, right? What is the solution? Delight Chat has a deep integration with Shopify. So, and the outcome from it is never modify the wrong order, have context while responding to a customer so that you, you have all the customer info handy. And you can save time by cutting the unnecessary back and forth. Like you're maybe spending 15, 20 minutes on per, uh, you know, per customer query just to answer that customer query properly, right? 
you have to go back and forth between the tabs and in between you just forget what happened uh, okay then you have to go back and read the entire thread again you have to note down jot down points so that you don't forget the next time you know i'm just like giving an example it's just saying 15 minutes it can be more than that it is more than that so that's the approach that's the first part of the approach that we take second part is that here we have done almost i would say a very close to 100 customer demos and i think around 20% of that was me doing it directly so we are literally taking customers problems and putting it on our home page or our messaging you can say like verbatim so one of our customers said that hey uh, you know i was using that tool and it took me two months to figure out i i don't know what to do and i'm just uh, spending 200 dollars on it every every day sorry every month so we literally took that and said that hey you don't have to waste a few weeks to figure out the tool you can just think, set, uh, set it up in minutes that's what the light chat is so that's the, our framework yeah so th- what a framework i love it it's simple but effective i think the thing that stands out for me in all of that um post example is you are the marketing guy and you're sitting in mm-hmm. on these demos participating in on these demos and the va- win or lose the deal the value you're getting in listening to the words that they're saying you're absorbing those words and then using them back in your copy exactly. and 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 taking those words directly from the customer's mouth as opposed to you sitting around in a room and trying to think this is what we think is the best and i think that's super yeah. powerful to add to that uh, here's the thing i think all marketers should know how to do sales i'm not joking i have done sales before it is super important that marketers do sales because otherwise you do not understand what your customer is thinking there's only so much you can do by reading reddit forums going to facebook groups i've done that like we have to do it because there's not all the time that you get access to customers because then again marketing team is separate customer success is separate we are a small team we can afford to do that i can literally afford to do anything if i want tomorrow i can do code but that's not it what about bigger companies try like fight your way and just go through a few demos at least go through the sales calls understand what they're talking about take that context put it into your document that is your bible uh, going forward like okay this is this is what i'll refer uh, okay now uh, can come to a fun point which uh, i think we discussed before in design you have certain components that you don't change right they are called base components yeah so when you create new designs you just take those base components and and you just design on top of it same with marketing you ha- must have a base structure or base outline or base messaging or let's say the base idea from where you can create different forms of content so i would say that create that first and then move on to work on other things totally and i would say just i can tell that you have some sales experience deb because We, the the reason why we're talking right now is you were persistent and you were just staying in front of me and you said hey like I'd love to be on this podcast and that's how we met so I think right. I couldn't agree I couldn't agree with you more I think any marketer out there should at least sit on uh, sales calls I think a lot of mm-hmm. what we do in marketing it's not recognized but it is sales like we yeah. are we are networking we're trying to get people on our platform to talk about marketing it, it's just it's a different type but it's 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 the same type of tactic so i i love that point not didn't quite wasn't quite sure we were going to get down the sales path but i'm glad we did cuz mm-hmm. i think it's super relevant totally totally I, i love to dive into 
the kind of the organic conversation. I know you have a ton of experience just in terms of working with different clients and probably what you're doing with the light chat now on just developing and building kind of an organic strategy. Maybe maybe talk to the audience about like what what are success steps you've taken in the past to kind of build out a successful organic strategy. Yeah. So again, I, I would go back and I, I already spoke about it, but let me reiterate that figuring out the target audience is the major, major thing, right? If you get that wrong, everything falls from there. So you have to understand what kind of content or what kind, what is, what is it they need, right? See, marketing is nothing more than solving a problem for their, for your customers. And product is the same thing. Product is actually helping them do certain things. Marketing is also helping them do certain things. Just in case, in the case of marketing, you're adding some kind of value that there's a, there's a itch they want to scratch. You're just helping them scratch that itch with your content. That's it. Or whatever, uh, with your campaigns. So that's how I think about organic strategies, right? For example, in terms of light chat, right? We did the same exercise. We figured out, okay, what, uh, what is the target target audience? Who is the who are the personas? What kind of stuff they are already reading and they're following? Which is why I joined at least I I don't know ten different communities, and I, I'm now right now I'm active on five of them because they're the most active communities. I'm constantly engaging with them, trying to understand what they're talking about, trying to understand what their use cases are. And then finally, I create, I go and create that Bible, right? I go and create the document saying, okay, this is the base structure. Now from here, we will design campaigns. Um, now going a little different direction, every company has a different way to grow, right? Now it kind of, if it's a small company, it kind of depends on your founder. For our case, uh, Preetam, he's our founder. He, he likes scalable and repeatable strategies that can grow, that can take a company very fast. Now, I'll tell you the outcome first. We are at 5,000 traffic visitors in just four months. So we, we kind of cater all our strategies, content-led projects. I call them content-led projects around that. So we find scalable and repeatable strategies. For example, one of the strategies that we followed was a mix of content and code, right? So we codified and generated 5,000 pages and 300 landing pages, which is giving us approximately 500,000 impressions on Google. Out of that, you know, through a conversion CTR, we are getting around 5,000 uh, visitors per month, right? We even did a guest post on Webflow for that. Yeah, so that's uh, that's that's kind of what, what our company does. It might be different, for example, in terms of iteratively, right? We are more focused on community, and the kind of the valuable content we produce, right? I think one of our content that we wrote implicit versus explicit tracking that actually got us uh, around 15 backlinks from really high authoritative sites because nobody had published that kind of content before and we clarified the entire thing from start to finish, right? Depends on the company, yeah. You, you, just, you just had the perfect segue into just the con content and what content can do to support organic growth, I think. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of times I'm talking to, uh, this is a content show, so we're going to be talking about yeah. content, but a lot of people, it, it's this battle that they have internally with their teams where you've got some people that are saying, hey, we need something, put it out quickly so that we can go mm -hmm. run this campaign really quick and generate these leads. And then you have this content marketing group that's like saying, hey, let us do the research, let us be thoughtful, give us exactly. time. Like, So what is the balance there between between 
creating effective content, moving fast? Like what's your experience and how would you respond to that? Hmm. Interesting question now. Uh, glad you asked, but I'm a little biased on that opinion. So here's my bias on that. It very much depends on who you're working with. Okay. So see, even as a marketer, even if you're the head of marketing, you still have a boss who is the CEO, right? Now, if your boss knows marketing, like he, has, he or she has done marketing before, and uh, they have scaled projects before single-handedly, they know the value of marketing. So they know how much time it would take to research, how much time it would take to write a content, and how much time it would take to experiment on something, right? In a growth, growth marketing experiment, let's say. But on the other hand, on the other spectrum, if they don't, then you're in a bit of a trouble because you'll have to explain each and every details to them, uh, which is why I came up with the concept of PRDs in my previous company typeset because they, they haven't done marketing before and you can't blame them. So they're, uh, they're more tech-focused, product-focused, and they know that this is how it works, but they don't know how marketing works. So if you, if you can explain them in detail with numbers and uh, case studies and uh, anecdotal evidence that this works, there's no way a logical person can deny you, right? Totally. And I want to get into the P- PRD conversation because I think mm-hmm. that helps support what you just said. Um, but I right. think just to comment on that, it seems like in my, all the conversations I'm having with content marketers, it, it you just spelled it out. It's the, the, the people that are the most excited about the work that they're doing are the ones that are able to do it the right way. And it's because they work in an organization where their boss or their boss's boss understands how marketing works. And then you've got the other group where you've got content marketers who feel like they're pushing up a boulder up a mountain every day Mm -hmm. because their boss or their boss's boss doesn't really understand how it works and their expectations are they're are too are maybe too high or their expectations are um not not on point um so mm-hmm. i think i think that's just an, an an inherent struggle with just being a marketer in general it's like some people get it and some people don't and the people who don't think they get it you know what i mean Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I remember my first digital marketing job and um, my boss just came and told me that, hey, uh, these are the five projects. Uh, all of them are all of them are paid projects. And I had zero experience in uh, running uh, advertisements. Right. So they're like, uh, we want to generate 2x more leads in the next few weeks. <laughs> I was just looking at his face. I'm like, as if I've seen an alien. And I'm like, Okay, cool. First job, you can't say much. So somehow I managed to do, I think, 1.5x and they were happy. Like, oh, they weren't expecting that. So they just like set a random number and, you know, thought, okay, whether if this works out good for us, if this doesn't, maybe, I don't know, we will try something else. But yeah, totally agree with you. It's a, it is definitely a battle and, um, PRDs do help to some extent, which we will talk about in a while. But at the same time, I would say that, uh, you know, it's not worth the time. Like if you're if you're really good at something and you're being constantly uh, barricaded to do that, I would just, I mean, it's just my personal opinion. I would just jump ship, honestly. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's, it's so true. I love it. And I love the honesty. Yeah. It's, it's because they're, you know your value, you know your skill set, and 
Don't waste your time working for a company where you're not able to be your full potential. And and if you feel like you're, if you feel like you're kind of a hamster stuck in the wheel, like go find someplace else. Like that, that's, I'm glad you called it out that specifically, because that's just what you should probably do. Go find a job that you can spread your wings and do your thing. I mean, Um, you're just underselling yourself, right? At that point in time, why, why would you even do that? Like, you know, that eight hours that you spend at office, it's, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a good time to upgrade your career, not downgrade it, right? So might as well just scoot from that. <laughs> Let, let's close it out here because I want to talk about the project requirement, Doc. When we Probably. did our intro call, you, you talked about it. And to me, it was like, man, like this is like thinking like a product owner. Like I would never really think about putting a, a PRD together, but you explained mm-hmm. that this is why I did it. Um, and this is how it helps. So maybe explain like when you are, how you adopted this process mm-hmm. and then, then the intention behind it. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So um, in our previous company typeset, uh, we, we were, we were very fast moving again. That was like a 20% company and I was the only marketer there, uh, you know, owning a bunch of things. And honestly speaking, it was difficult to deal with the founder. Right. So I had to explain so much, so much, so much. And I'm like, okay, there's, there, ha- there has to be a better way. So I sat with my product manager and he told me that, why don't you create a PRD for marketing as well? I'm like, what the hell is that? So he showed me a product PRD, like how product managers, they, they, have, to, they have to create a product spec first, right? They would create the entire uh, idea behind the product, why this product will work, what are the competitors, this, that. The entire spec, and then they will create the wireframes, and then they will, uh, you know, get it approved from design and all that things. So he told me that, okay, of course you don't need all of this, but why don't you create a distilled, uh, distilled down version for marketing? So what is that distilled down version? Now here's the catch: it can be anything, right? It has to be very specific to that project that you're doing. But I kind of came up with a sort of a, you know, I would say flexible framework. To create PRDs. By the way, PRDs full form is project requirement documents. So you're just creating an entire spec out of that project, but even before that project is executed, right? Let me go through the template, or let me go through the flexible template that I've created. Now, first, first you have to give context, right? What what is the pro- project about? Let's um, let's walk you through an example. Let's say I want to create a guide on e-commerce customer service software, right? or just e-commerce customer service, a big guide. So what's the context on it? Why do I want to create that guide, right? What's, what's the data behind it? So I would, uh, what I would do is I would, ta- I would take that name, I would just plug it on Ahrefs or some other places, plug it on uh, Keyword Explorer. I would just understand what, uh, whether it's even a viable topic to talk about, right? Then I would just go to a few communities to get first-hand feedback, right? Uh, hey, I'm going to, uh, like, what are your problems in e-commerce customer service? Uh, what do you see that is not there? This, that, like, try to understand. And then create that first context. Context Next, we move on to what is the value that you're providing to your target audience out of this experiment or out of this project, right? For example, uh, in our example, e-commerce customer service, the value would be a holistic guide where uh, you can exactly understand how to, manage your customer service perfectly so that you don't mess up the moment you start uh, doing it, right? 
So, you know, just avoid the mistakes uh, while you're at it. So that would be the value. Next, what is the expected outcome? Now here, the predictability comes into picture, right? Easy, uh, easier said than done. Now, the easy part is that if you have some kind of data in your Google search console, which indicates that, you know, you have ranked, you have uh, created certain blogs and articles which have uh, given you the, you know, certain results and you have that data. So you can have some kind of evidence to suggest that, okay, even when I create this, I'll be getting, let's say, uh, 500,000 visitors. Uh, I'm just very abrupt number. Sorry, okay, let's do something better. 10,000 visitors to the site, uh, 500 newsletter subscribers, and out of that, maybe this will down 50 conversions from there, right? So that's, that's the expected outcome. But try and make it as data-driven as possible because, again, if your, if your boss doesn't understand marketing, this would help him uh, help that person understand whether this is a viable project or not. Because in that person's mind, in your boss's mind, uh, they might be thinking, oh, okay, um, okay, this, this is not good enough. Like, I, I don't see the value in it if you, if you don't share numbers. So try and bring up some numbers, even anecdotal evidence for that matter or case studies which have worked previously, right? Moving on, you have to understand what kind of possible flows are there. So this is like, this, this is the all flexible part. Like where, where do you think people would uh, get to know about your guide, right? Will it appear on the uh, Google search? Will it appear on a community? Will somebody share it? Social media, all, list on all the flows. Next, uh, coming to page structure, so how, like this is page structure is basically uh, for a particular project of mine, but how it would be structured. So how the guide would be structured um, in our example. Uh, what are the components of it? So basically an outline in, in our example, it would be an outline into an outline, right? Then is there any technical involvement? So if you are not conversing with your CMS platform or whatever you're using, do you need any help externally? And this is not technical. It's like any kind of involvement. Who are the, which are the teams involved or who are the people involved to execute this project, right? And what kind of bandwidth will they be shelling out from their daily time? Because this is something out of their, uh, you know, nine to five job, right? So they would be helping you besides that. So you have to get permission from that. And then ETAs, right? So, you know, approximate ETAs to execute the project, to frame the project, execute the project, and analyze the project. So the entire ETA circle, let's say in our case, it will be two weeks or maybe a month to create the guide if we are being, uh, you know, uh, realistic. And then how do you measure it, right? So, okay, you have, you have told me these are the things that we're gonna do, this is the expected result, how do you measure it? Um, in, in, in my example, it can be a combination of Ahrefs, Search Console, and Google Analytics. So I would measure how, many, how much traffic am I getting. I would measure the kind of number of leads I'm getting, number of subscribers I'm getting. And on uh, Google uh, Search Console, I would just say that whether our impression rate has grown or not out of, after we executed that ex experiment. So this is kind of uh, how the template is structured. And you can definitely make it you know, uh, tune it to your uh, projects. Yeah. We're going to have to get a, a copy of that and maybe write a blog post, <laughs> put it in the show notes. A lot of info there, but I think it all makes sense. When you were talking about it, immediately mm -hmm. my head went to, this is, if you're, if you're thinking about leveling up your internal marketing game, this is the way yeah. to do it. Use a tool like this to get stakeholders involved in your project early 
before it gets mm-hmm. off the ground and odds are that it's going to see more success. Awesome stuff, Deb. We, totally. we covered a lot of ground here. We talked about career pathing. We talked about customer experience, organic. We talked about PRD. We mm-hmm. also told people that if they don't like their job, go find another one. I think that's pretty good. <laughs> I'm going to get sued for this. <laughs> uh, we're being real over here. Uh, before I let you go, maybe uh, tell people where they can find you and anything on the Delight Chat side you want to plug. Sure. So um, if you're running an e-commerce store uh, and you need help with your customer service, please go and check out Delight Chat. It's delightchat.io. It's one word. And you can find me on Twitter and on my website. So the handle is the same. It's DebGotWired, D-B-G-O-T-W-I-R-E-D. It's uh, at the rate DebGotWired or DebGotWired.com. So those are the places I hang out with. And I'm extremely active on social media. So you can literally find me anywhere. And on the communities if you're there. (laughs) We'll we'll drop those in the show notes. Deb, thank you for staying up uh, late with us. Appreciate all the insights. No worries. Uh, Talk to you soon, man. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Tons of good nuggets. Go check out Delight Chat. I had so much fun learning from Deb. If you like what we've been doing, hit that subscribe button. Leave a review. Tell us how we're doing. Follow us on Twitter at thejuicehq.com. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. We'll be back on Monday with another. 